Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast that I'm putting together here. Um, this is going to be a discussion about Alma chapter 12. Now, we've had Alma and Amulek confronted by Zeezrom, and Zeezrom tried to bribe them, and Amulek was bold against him, and Zeezrom began to tremble. Uh, he's going to begin to repent here. So now is the continued discussion of uh, with Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom. Verse 1, now Alma, seeing that the words of Amulek had silenced Zeezrom, for he beheld that Amulek had caught him in his lying and deceiving to destroy him, and seeing that he began to tremble under a consciousness of his guilt, he opened his mouth and began to speak unto him and to establish the words of Amulek and to explain things beyond or to unfold the scriptures beyond that which Amulek had done. Now the words that Alma spake unto Zeezrom were heard by the people round about, for the multitude was great, and he spake on this wise. Now Zeezrom, seeing that thou hast been taken in thy lie and lying and craftiness, for thou hast not lied unto, unto men only, but thou hast lied unto God. For behold, he knows all thy thoughts, and thou seest that thy thoughts are made known unto us by his Spirit. Elder Bednar said that the gift of discernment operates basically in four major ways. First, as we read under the, under the surface, discernment helps us detect hidden error and evil in others. Second, and more important, it helps us detect hidden errors and evil in ourselves. Thus, the spiritual gift of discernment is not exclusively about discerning other people and situations, but as President Cannon taught, it is also about discerning things as they really are within us. Third, it helps us find and bring forth the good that may be concealed in others. And fourth, it helps us to find and bring, out, bring forth the good that may be concealed in us. Elder McConkie said that men's thoughts are secret and cannot be pried into by other men or, for that matter, by devils. However, the Lord can and does on occasion reveal to his prophets the thoughts and intents of the hearts of men. This revealing of the thoughts of another is one of the gifts of the Spirit. It is akin to the spirit of prophecy. It comes by the power of God and not of man. Our Lord, doing, uh, during his ministry, frequently exercised the power to read the thoughts of those among whom he labored. Bishops, when they're ordained bishops and set apart, also receive the, the gift of discernment and uh, can often tell among their members uh, in their ward what's going on with them. He can often tell, especially with the youth, uh, a particular young person that might, might need to have a visit with the bishop. That's the spirit of discernment. Verse 4, And thou seest that we know that thy plan was a very subtle plan, as to the subtlety of the devil, for to lie and to deceive this people, that thou mightest set them against us, to revile us, and to cast us out. Now this was a plan of thine adversary, and he hath exercised his power in thee. Satan need not do all his own dirty work. He moves upon, tempts, inspires, and possesses others to cause them to think and act in ways that seek to halt or hinder the plan of righteousness. However, as Joseph Smith taught, the devil has no power over us only as we permit him. 
continuing verse six or verse five. Now I would that ye should remember that what I say unto thee, I say unto all. And behold, I say unto you all that this was a, a snare of the adversary, which he has laid to catch this people, that he might bring you into subjection unto him, that he might encircle you about with his chains, that he might chain you down to everlasting destruction according to the power of his captivity. Now when Alma had spoken these words, Zeezrom began to tremble more exceedingly, for he was convinced more and more of the power of God. And he was also convinced that Alma and Amulek had a knowledge of him, for he was convinced that they knew the thoughts and intents of his heart. For power was given unto them that they might know of these things according to the spirit of prophecy. So Zeezrom is beginning to repent. I would pause here for just a second and explain a story that I remember. Now, I don't know the source of this, and I can't remember who it was exactly. It was either Elder Packer or Elder um, Paul Dunn. One of them, while being a mission president in um, in the New England states, uh, was part of the part of the mission included one of the uh, Ivy League colleges. And uh, there, this was during the 70s, and there was a, uh, a strong debate about abortion that was being held among the students and among members of the church that were, there was quite a contentious thing. And Elder Packer, I think it was Elder Packer, uh, was asked to come and speak to a student group uh, about this concept and kind of have a debate with uh, kind of the ringleader of the, the pro-abortion people. And so they're debating for quite an extensive period of time. And finally, Elder Packer stops and says, I have a request to make of the leader. And so the leader said he would agree with it. And he says, I want you to do one thing for me. And he said, OK, what's that? And he goes, I'm going to ask you a question. And then I want you just to, to think about the answer for maybe a minute or two and then give me your answer. I don't want you to blurt out the answer that you believe. I want you to just think about the answer and then tell me. So Elder Packer is beginning to discern the thoughts here of what's going on, just like uh, Alma and Amulek are doing. But here's what here's what happened with Elder Packer. He said as the as they quieted down, the the question that Elder Packer asked of the the person that was leading the other side of the debate, he said, "I want you to answer me this one question: Is abortion wrong?" And he let that question go, and uh, and he said, I don't want you to answer right away. Just give it a minute or two to think about it. So about a minute or two later, Elder Packer says, okay, time is up. What is the answer? And the and instead of giving his honest answer, he just said, I'm not going to tell you what I know or what I heard. Well, he didn't want to do that because that would have been an opposition to uh, what he had been saying and, uh, and all of the friends and, and those on his side. But Elder Packer had discerned that this guy did know the truth. But it was just arguing in favor of this wicked practice. And so Elder Packer was showing here the spirit of discernment. Verse 8, And Zeezrom began to inquire of them diligently that he might know more concerning the kingdom of God. By asking these questions sincerely, Zeezrom is beginning to repent. And he said unto Alma, What does this mean that Amulek hath spoken concerning the resurrection of the dead, that all shall rise from the dead, both the just and the unjust, and are brought to stand before God to be judged according to their works? The wicked will also stand before God to be judged. And now Alma be, began to expound these things unto him, saying, It is given unto many to know the mysteries of God. Nevertheless, they are laid under a strict command that they shall not impart only according to the portion of his word, which he doth grant unto the children of men, according to the heed and diligence which they give unto him. Elder Packer said, As students, there are some questions that we could not in propriety ask. One question of this type I am asked occasionally, usually by someone who is curious, is, have you seen him? 
That is a question that I have never asked of another. I have not asked that question of my brethren in the Council of the Twelve, thinking that it would be so sacred and so personal that one would have to have some special inspiration, indeed some authorization, even to ask it. Though I have not asked that question of others, I have heard them answer it, but not when they were asked. I have heard one of my brethren declare, I know from experiences too sacred to relate that Jesus is the Christ. I have heard others testify, I know that God lives, I know that the Lord lives, and more than that, I know the Lord. I repeat, they have answered this question not when they were asked, but under the promptings of the Spirit on sacred occasions when the Spirit beareth record. There are some things just too sacred to discuss, not secret, but sacred, not to be discussed, but to be harbored and protected and regarded with the deepest of reverence. There are many difficult questions, including some that will not be asked, that we will not be able to answer, and many things are to be taken on faith. As a teacher, therefore, do not let difficult questions create difficult problems for you or for those you teach. Some truths are experiences some truths and experiences are not lawful for man to utter in the sense that it was that it is not permitted or appropriate to speak of them, except as led and directed by the Holy Spirit. Boyd Packer says, uh, have come, I have come to believe also that it is not wise to continually talk of unusual spiritual experiences. They are to be guarded with care and shared only when the Spirit itself prompts us to use them to the blessings of others. I am Ever mindful of Alma's words, it is given unto many to know the mysteries of God. Nevertheless, they are laid under a strict command that they shall not impart only according to the portion of the word which he doth grant unto the children of men. I do not tell all I know. I have, and this is President Romney. I, I, I do not tell all I know. I have never told my wife all I know, for I found that out that if I talked too lightly of sacred things, thereafter the Lord would not trust me. Back to the scripture, verse 10. And therefore, he that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. And he, will, he that will not harden his heart, to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until he knows them in full. This fullness, of course, cannot come to pass in this life. It is only in and after the resurrection that we can come to know all things, even as God knows them. And that's by Millet McConkie. And they that will harden their hearts, to them is given the lesser portion of the word, until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. And then they are taken captive by the devil and led by his will down to destruction. Now this is what is meant by the chains of hell. At least to the spiritually sick and to the spiritually dead who seek God through reason and the intellect alone, the scriptures appeared to be a compilation of confusion and contradiction. And it was not intended to be otherwise, for salvation is of the spirit and comes only to those who are spiritually alive and well, those who come to know God not by reason and the intellect alone, but through the spirit of prophecy and revelation. That was by Elder McConkie. Verse 12, And Amulek hath spoken plainly concerning death and being raised from this mortality to a state of immortality and being brought before the bar of God to be judged according to their works. Then if our hearts have been hardened, yea, if we have, been, if we have hardened our hearts against the word, insomuch that it has not been found in us, then will our state be awful, for then we shall be condemned. For our words will condemn us, yea, all our works will condemn us. We shall not be found spotless, and our thoughts will also condemn us. And in this awful state we shall not dare to look up, look up to our God, and we would fain be glad if we could command the rocks and the mountains to fall upon us to hide us from his presence. So even even judged by our, not, not just judged by our works and our words, but also by our thoughts, that's a high, high bar to achieve. 
Elder Packer said, if you can control your thoughts, you can control, you can overcome habits, even degrading personal habits. If you can learn to master them, you will have a happy life. I would teach you this. Choose from among the sacred music of the church, a favorite hymn, one with words that are uplifting and music that is reverent, one that makes you feel something akin to inspiration. Now use this hymn as the place for your thoughts to go. Make it your emergency channel as the music begins and as the words form in your mind, the unworthy thoughts will slip shamefully away. Marion G. Romney said, the great overall struggle in the world today is as it has always been for the souls of men. Every soul is personally engaged in the struggle and he makes his flight with what his fight with what is in his mind. In the final analysis, the battleground is for each individual within himself. Inevitably, he, he, he gravitates toward the subjects of his thoughts. Ages ago, the wise men that succinctly stated this great truth, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I am persuaded, my brothers and sisters, that it is irrational to hope to escape the lusts of the world without substituting for them as the subjects of our thoughts, the things of the Spirit. And I know that the things of the Spirit are taught with mighty power in the Book of Mormon. And so I counsel you, my beloved brethren, and sisters and friends everywhere to make reading the Book of Mormon a, a few minutes each day a lifelong practice. Back to verse 15. But this cannot be. We, ca we must come forth and stand before him in his glory and in his power and in his might, majesty and dominion and acknowledge to our everlasting shame that all his judgments are just, that he is just in all his works and that he is merciful unto the children of men and that he has all power to save every man that believeth on his name and bringeth forth fruit, meet for repentance. Elder Maxwell said, the judgment day is one of the things that really will be. The future shock of that judgment and the events to precede it will be with, without parallel. The dramatic day described so powerfully by Alma will be a highly compressed and collective moment of truth. This will be the day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus is the Christ. No mortals will be standing that day. Those who were, who were cruelly used by the adversary will see that awful reality. Nephi said the unrepentant guilty would remember their awful guilt in perfectness and be constrained to exclaim, Holy, holy are thy judgments, O Lord God Almighty, but I know my guilt, I transgress thy law, and my transgressions are mine. And the devil hath obtained me, that I am a prey to his awful misery. Jesus, who purchased us and who owns us, will require this owning up. They who transgress divine law will openly admit that their transgressions are their own and cannot be laid at someone else's door. 16. And now behold, I say unto you, then cometh a death, even a second death, which is a spiritual death. Then is a time that whosoever dieth in his sins as to a temporal death shall also die a spiritual death. Yea, he shall die as to things pertaining unto righteousness. Then is the time when their torments shall be as a lake of fire and brimstone, whose flame ascendeth up forever and ever. For all except the sons of perdition, this suffering is eternal only in a sense that it is God's suffering and he is eternal. It will come to an end at the time of the second resurrection, at the end of the millennium. The sons of perdition, those who have known the power and goodness of God and who then deny and defy the power, shall indeed suffer in outer darkness forever. For those who reject the gospel and sneer at its saving power, it is as though there had been no redemption made, as though Christ had never come into the world, as though there had been a fall but no hope for, for deliverance from it. Back to 17, and then is the time that they shall be chained down to an everlasting destruction according to the power and captivity of Satan, he having subjected them according to his will. 
Then I say unto you, they shall be as though there had been no redemption made, for they cannot be redeemed according to God's justice, and they cannot die, seeing there is no more corruption. It is very clear in the Doctrine and Covenants that, that the only persons who will be completely overcome by this dreadful fate, the second death, are the sons of perdition, who go with the devil and his angels into outer darkness. All the rest of mankind, even the wicked, will receive some measure of salvation after they suffer the wrath of God. However, they will of necessity be brought to, to repentance and acceptance of the gospel of Jesus Christ as far as it will apply to them. That was by Joseph Fielding Smith. 19. Now it came to pass that when Alma had made an end of speaking these words, the people began to be more astonished. But there was one Antiona, who was a chief ruler among them, came forth and said unto him, What is this that thou hast said, that man should rise from the dead and be changed from this mortal to an immortal state, that the soul can never die? Once the spirit and the body have been reunited in resurrection, they can never be separated again. What does the scripture mean which saith that God placed cherubim and a flaming sword on the east of the Garden of Eden, lest our first parents should enter and partake of the fruit of the tree of life and live forever? And thus we see that there was no possible chance that they should live forever. John Taylor said, When Adam was driven from the garden, an angel was placed with a flaming sword to guard the way of the tree of, the life, to, of, the tree of life, lest man should eat of it and become immortal in his degenerate state and thus be incapable of obtaining that exaltation which he would be capable of enjoying through the redemption of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection with his renewed and glorified body. Verse 22, Now Alma said unto him, This is the thing which I was about to explain. Now we see that, Alma, that Adam did fall by the partaking of the forbidden fruit, according to the word of God, and thus we see, notice that Mormon likes to include the thus we sees in here a lot, so he's trying to make a point here from uh, what he's saying. Thus we see that by his fall all mankind became a lost and fallen people. And now behold I say unto you that if it had been possible for Adam to have partaken of the fruit of the tree of life at that time, there would have been no death, and the word which and the word would have been void, making God a liar, for he said, If thou eat thou shalt surely die. Now it's interesting that we're, that Adam was prevented from partaking of the fruit of the tree of life after uh, his fall. We are trying to get back to that, to back to Eden and back to the tree so that we can partake of the tree of life and live with our Heavenly Father in celestial glory. Verse 24, And we see that death comes upon mankind, yea, the death which has been spoken of by Amulek, which is the temporal death. Nevertheless, oh, by the way, getting back to the Garden of Eden is, is by going through the temple. Nevertheless, there was a space granted unto man in which he might repent. Therefore, his life became a probationary state, a time to prepare to meet God, a time to prepare for that endless state which has been spoken of by us, which is after the resurrection of the dead. Hugh Nibley said, We are being tested every minute of the day by the choices we make, by the reactions we have, by the things we say, by the things we think about. It's like the ancient Christian doctrine of the two ways, the way to the right and the way to the left. Whichever they are, you must make the choice, and you may have made the wrong choice every day of your life up until now. But as long as you are here, it is still not too late. You can still make the right choice. Every minute you can make the right choice. It's never too late to make the right one. We have a time to repent. Therefore, this time, this life became a probationary state. Well, it can't be anything else. It's a time to prepare to meet God. That's why we need the gospel here. 25. Now, if it had not been for the plan of redemption, which was laid from the foundation of the world, 
the plan of salvation, which uh, that which we know of as the gospel of Jesus Christ, is in reality the plan of the Father. The gospel of God, it was preached and its terms and conditions, including the creation, the fall, and the atonement, were known and put into effect before the world was made. That was by Milton McConkie. I might also add that the plan of salvation that we have on this earth is the same plan of salvation that's on every other earth throughout the entire universe. There is no other plan. This is the plan, and it's used by every god on every planet, in every universe, everywhere. I know that that's true. Back to verse 25. There could have been no resurrection of the dead, but there was a plan of redemption laid, which shall bring to pass the resurrection of the dead of which has been spoken. And now behold, if it were possible that our first parents could have gone forth and partaken of the tree of life, they would have been forever miserable, having no preparatory state, and thus the plan of redemption would have been frustrated, and the word of God would have been void, taking none effect. If Adam and Eve had been permitted to partake of the fruit of the tree of life before living out their mortal lives... They would have been taken into immortality without the experience, the pains, the struggles, the opportunities to overcome the, pos the posterity and thus the joys of this life. They would have been damned in their progress and the rest of us would have known no progress. We would have been remained forever as unembodied spirits. That's from Millet McConkie. 27. But behold, it was not so. But it was appointed unto, man, unto men that they must die, and after death they must come to judgment, even that same judgment of which we have spoken, which is the end. And after God had appointed that these things should come unto man, behold, then he saw that it was expedient that man should know concerning the things which whereof he had appointed unto them. Therefore he sent angels to converse with them, who caused men to behold of his glory. And they began from that time forth to call on his name. Therefore God conversed with men and made known unto them the plan of redemption, which had been prepared from the foundation of the world, and this he made known unto them according to their faith and repentance and their holy works. When he says that uh, God conversed with man, he's talking about prophets here, and this is the same process that he uses on all the other planets too, that he deals with prophets that they have on their planet. Elder Packer said, The course of our mortal life from birth to death conforms to eternal law and follows a plan described in the Revelations as the great plan of happiness. That the one idea, the one truth I would inject into your mind is this. There are three parts to the plan. You are in the second or the middle part, the, um, the one in which you will be tested by temptation, by trials, perhaps by tragedy. Understand that and you will be better able to make sense of life and to resist the disease of doubt and despair and depression. Remember, too, that uh, Elder Packer mentions that life is like a three-act play, that we're in the, in the second act and we didn't know what happened in the first because we've forgotten everything. Verse 31, Wherefore he gave commandment un commandments unto men, they having first transgressed the first commandments as to things which were temporal, and becoming as gods, knowing good from evil, placing themselves in a state to act. Agency is largely a product of knowledge and understanding. Adam and Eve in their paradisiacal condition were naively innocent and thus unable to serve as responsible moral agents, having partaken of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, having gained an understanding of good and evil, having broadened their scope of the plan of salvation. They were now in a position to act instead of being acted upon. That's by Millet McConkie. Continuing verse 31, or being placed in a state to act according to their wills and pleasures, whether to do evil or to do good. Therefore God gave unto them commandments after having made known unto them the plan of redemption that they should not do evil, the penalty thereof being a second death. Orson Pratt said, 
Uh, second death, what is that? After you have been redeemed from the grave and come into the presence of God, you will have to stand there to be judged. And if you have done evil, you will be banished everlastingly from his presence, body and spirit united together. This is what is called the second death. Continuing verse 32, which was an everlasting death as to things pertaining unto righteousness, for on, on such the plan of redemption could have no power, for the works of justice could not be destroyed according to the supreme goodness of God. But God did call on them in the name of his Son, this being the plan of redemption which was laid, saying, If ye will repent and harden not your hearts, then will I have mercy upon you through mine only begotten Son. Therefore, whosoever repenteth and, I, and hardeneth not his heart, he shall have claim on mercy through mine only begotten Son unto the remission of his sins, and there shall, and there shall enter into my rest. Joseph F. Smith said that the ancient prophets speak of entering into God's rest. What does it mean? To my mind, it means entering into the knowledge and love of God, having faith in his purposes and in his plans to such an extent that we know we are right and that we are not hunting for something else. We are not disturbed by every wind of doctrine or by the cunning and craftiness of men who lay in wait to deceive. We know of the doctrine, that it is of God, and we do not ask any questions of anybody about it. They are welcome to their opinions, to their ideas, and to their vagaries. The man who has reached that degree of faith in God that all doubt and fear have been cast from him, he has entered into God's rest, and he need not fear the vagaries of men, nor their cunning and craftiness by which they seek to deceive him and mislead him from the, from the truth. 35. And whosoever will harden his heart and will do iniquity, behold, I swear in my wrath that he shall not enter into my rest. And now, my brethren, behold, I say unto you that if ye will harden your hearts, ye shall not enter into the rest of the Lord. Therefore your iniquity provoketh him that he sendeth down his wrath upon you, as in the first provocation. Yea, according to his word in the last provocation, as well as the first, to the everlasting destruction of your souls, therefore according to his work, unto the last death, as well as the first. Uh, in this, this is a reference to the refusal of the ancient Israelites under Moses to receive the further light and knowledge which the lawgiver sought to give them, including the fullness of the, God, of the blessings of the priesthood and thus the privilege of coming into, into the divine presence. That's what he's talking about, the first provocation and the second provocation. Robert J. Matthews said that the first provocation was in the Garden of Eden. God kept his word and brought death as a consequence. The second provocation was with the children of Israel in the wilderness. Again, God kept his word and withdrew his presence. He did not allow those who came out of Egypt to enter the promised land, but caused them to die in the wilderness without finding rest, neither rest for their bodies nor for their spirits. Alma warns that since God was true to his word in earlier provocations, we have reason to believe that he will be equally true to his word if we provoke him by our disobedience. Verse 37, And now, my brethren, seeing we know these things, and they are true, let us repent and harden not our hearts, that we provoke not the Lord our God to pull down his wrath upon us in these second commandments which he has given unto us, but let us enter into the rest of God which is prepared according to his word. Brigham Young said, uh, We talk about our trials and troubles here in this life, but suppose that you could see yourselves thousands and millions of years after you have proved faithful to your religion during the few short years in this time and have obtained eternal salvation and a crown of glory in the presence of God. Then look back upon your lives here and see the losses, crosses, and disappointments, the sorrows arising from disobedient children, from wicked parents who have opposed their children, who wished to embrace the truth, the, the persecutions from city to city, from state to state being hunted and driven, you would be constrained to exclaim, but what of, what of all that? 
those things were but for a moment, and we are now here. We have been faithful during a few moments in our mortality, and now we enjoy eternal life and glory, with power to progress in all the boundless knowledge, and through the countless stages of progression, enjoying the smiles and approbation of our Father and God, and of Jesus Christ, our older brother. If we had a vision of what's our potential, the big picture, so to speak, to know that all of these things that we're going through is for a glorious outcome if we can remain faithful. All of the privations, all the temptations, all the trials that we have in this life, we would consider as nothing in comparison to the to the wonderful experiences and the wonderful outcome that we're going to have as we as we gain exaltation in the celestial kingdom. Those are hopeful words of Brigham Young. I bear testimony of the truth of these things and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come back to the next podcast. You'll love it.